Should we just jump into it? <laughs> do it, man. You want to kick us off? Do, do you want to start? <laughs> uh, I'll just throw out what I just said, which is BTD is BFTD. Do you know what it means, Ry? It stands for... I'm not going to say what the F means, but <laughs> I, think, I think everyone knows what it means. No, it's okay. It means barred to death is back from the dead. Oh, I love it. BTD is BFTD. Topical Easter weekend. Yep. This is this will be heard by anyone who forgot to unsubscribe from us <laughs> on their chosen podcast app. And oh, this will man. be a reminder to do so now. I was uh, singing the theme song last night to Brittany. Just was trying to like remember it. I was like, oh, it was it was pretty fun to sing it, but haven't heard it in a while. Yeah, that YouTube stock music but, yeah. uh, comes free. Anyone can use it. I, honestly, <laughs> but, a great find. I feel like on my part, though, I dug I dug pretty deep into the free archives of YouTube. How about season two? Uh, that lofi hip hop study beat that I made that we used for the, <laughs> the true crime episodes. That, that was great. Good. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> Kali, uh, first off, we haven't probably spoken since the last time we recorded. Since our blowout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> since we finished season two and and the friendship. Rap and on just, both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's weird to me, weird. by the way. So we've a lot of texting, a lot of memes, a lot of movie recommendations. <laughs> yeah. A lot, lot of things in the ether, but in terms of like a meat conversation, a meat and potatoes. Yeah. It's been a while. I don't want you to feel bad. I've realized that I get to me when I think of the phrase, Hey, let's catch up. I just think of this like treadmill and I get very stressed out socially. And it's like, <laughs> I will, we'll catch up on the phone. And then the second we hang up, like the ticker is already starting on the next catch up. And it's like, you're never really <laughs> caught up. Um, yeah. That to me is very stressful. So I don't want you to feel neglected. I don't feel neglected at all. We talk, I think we talked, what, December, January. We threw out some ideas about what's happening. Are we, are we on hiatus? Are we resting? And we're like, yeah, let's keep resting. There's a lot going on in our lives. And then it was, I guess, last week or the week before, I forget if it was you threw out, like, dude, quarantine episode? Yeah. Coronavirus episode? Yeah. I get very self-conscious when I just sit back. It, and think about the sheer number of podcasts in the world. It's like when you want to throw something away, but you think about a landfill and you're like, ah, do I really want to add one more thing on the landfill? That's mm. the way I kind of feel about podcasts. And it's like, ah, oh, does the world need another podcast? Uh, answer, yes, they do. Hence, here we are. <laughs> we're, we're here to give them that. <laughs> You know, I had this is kind of interesting. I had a friend of mine recently, um, Dana. A little shout out, big big Bar to Death fan. Mm. And we and I was talking with her about. Um, so I work for a church, and we're having to like reimagine like how we do everything right now, and in, in the this odd season of social distancing and and virtual worship and all these other things. And um, and we were talking about kind of like you know what I could do to like kind of stay in touch with my my people and not uh, in a way that wasn't like overwhelming or just adding one more thing, kind of like what you said about just one more podcast. And she said, well, you know, I think that you should 
continue writing something. I send like kind of like a weekly email thing, continue doing that, put a little bit more effort into it. Worst case, it's cathartic for you. Like if, mm. if no one reads it, no one's interested in it. If the process of it is cathartic for you, then I think that's a win. And I thought that was like pretty profound way of thinking about it. Like, oh yeah, like no, the world does absolutely doesn't need another podcast or Netflix show or film or record or whatever you want to, you know, book, whatever. But if the process is cathartic for you, life-giving for you as the person creating it, I think that's the win. That's so good, Dana. My goodness. Also, I feel like quarantine has really forced us to write. And I promise our listeners, we're not going to sit here and like pontificate. There's that word or (laughs) philosophize about like what it means to be in quarantine. We're definitely not doing that this episode. Uh, But if I may do a little bit of that, I feel like quarantine in me has exposed like just how much of my life is consumption. And I know, I don't think consumption's Mm. bad. TBH, I'm okay with capitalism. I think we could tweak it and modify it, but generally I'm on board with it. But Basically, I think we've all been forced to sit and just consume so much that I literally forgot how to produce anything. Like, I don't write anything. Um, Mm. I just go from one little portal, Netflix, computer, work, and it's all kind of a a one-way me receiving. And I, I think there's it's universal that it's cathartic to produce something, whether or not it's for others or for you. Um, if anything, uh, that really echoes with me. For sure. For sure. I think creativity is kind of woven into the fabric of the universe, not to get too deep, but it's, yeah, yeah. This, this idea of like even recreation, recreation. I don't know. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's everything. We, uh, we promised we weren't going to philosophize what we actually are going to do for the next 60 minutes is talk about our top 50 streaming picks on <laughs> Netflix right now. <laughs> They're all white male Michael Sarah type, like I'm in love with the girl uh, type stuff. So hope you like that. I hope you're into it. That's so funny. <laughs> They're all Scott Pilgrim versus the world, fifty times. Oh man, what are we doing here, Rye? What's the? I think we're just we're just riffing. We're just hopping on. We're just. Yeah, I. I'm really interested, in, and I think everyone has this moment. And depending on where you live and what you do, this moment was different timing was a different timing for everyone like the date i would love to hear you talk about the first moment you realized that this is a thing like we saw we heard rumblings of this in asia and then we heard Mm -hmm. slightly louder rumblings in europe throughout like january early february but when i think back to january and february i was living my life i was going to work i was having fun i went to concerts i went to the movie theater restaurants um, but I also remember the moment where I was like hit with this dread, this very, very deep dread. And I felt it in the bottom of my stomach. Um, what was that moment for you? Can you take us to it? <laughs> what was the moment of, of deep existential dread in the bottom where of my stomach? Where you realize like, this is not just like media sensationalism. This, this, is, is, this not, is not uh, your grandmother's flu. Yeah, It's not a distant <laughs> problem. It's going to be a problem here in my neighborhood. Yeah. Um, so I was, I mean, I can give you the real answer. It's not super uplifting or funny. Um, as, as well, like, I wish that it do you was. Have like a, do you have a cute answer? <laughs> like a toned down version? Is there like a, a webisode <laughs> answer? It's like a song playing in the background. Um, <laughs> no, it was, this is dark, but this is real. It was, I was late to the party on this, to be honest. I was, I think mm. I was wrong in a lot of ways about this. I didn't, I didn't think for a long time that it was 
gonna be as bad as um or as is maybe real as it is now. Um but for me it was I was um so I'm a pastor, I work at a church and I have I happen to be on call, um, which is like the person who takes emergency calls if someone passes away. Um, you know, we pass that at 24 hours a day. We have this at our church and uh between the five pastors, we rotate like a week week-long shifts for this. And I happen to be on call the week that this really started to settle in in the States. Um, and I think kind of became like a communal awareness. Um, and I had to tell um, there was, I think four deaths that week. Um, none of which directly related to the coronavirus. Um, but it was like, yeah, that after having multiple conversations with families of saying you can't have a funeral right now and having to explain that to families, I think it was like the first time I had to do that and say, you know, I can't, I can't one, I can't come to the hospital. Hospitals are on lockdown which is we usually go to the hospital. We go to, you know, immediately when the death happens, but of having to say, you know, in a living room, I think it was in a living room in particular, there's one family and, and total unexpected death. Um, and that, that night I was sitting with them and, and it felt even odd at that time to, to be in their living room. It was kind of like, can I even, can I even walk into this person's house right now? This was, this was a month ago or even maybe five weeks ago. And then having to say, we can't do anything at the church. You can't do any sort of funeral. The the best we could do is like an intimate family gathering, 10 people or less, uh, or we wait and do something when this is all past. And that day I had heard from our our local funeral home in town and they were so backed up with um, incinerations like that. You couldn't even get the ashes back. Um, usually there's a, there's a four to six day kind of wait time, maybe eight days. And I think that day I talked with the director and she'd said that it was going to be three weeks would be the soonest because there was all these new protocols they were having to go through of full hazmat suit. Because when you incinerate a body, I'm sorry, Ryan, this is just my answer to this. I should have gone, I should have gone first. <laughs> like, gone I'm not going to follow this. I, this is real though. I, this is, no, this no, is, I'm, this is I'm totally real experience kidding. This that, is, yeah. That things, bacteria, things get released into the air when you, yeah. when you do this. So there's this new federal protocol. Uh, and this is, I could be totally wrong about this, all this. This is just something that, you know, I heard in my town and having to explain that to a family has, was brutal. Oh <laughs> it was gosh. brutal. And, and that's when it sunk in for me that like, Oh, this is a reality. When do you remember vaguely when this was? Because again, some of us we've been working from home for six weeks. Mm-hmm. Others, this is in the south. This may be a little later on the yeah. timeline. Do you know when this was for you? I think this was five weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. Five so yeah, weeks that's ago. A, that's about that. F- that feels about right. Um, what did you do? Did you you know after this? Did you call Brit and just like bounce this off, or did you call your dad? What's the kind of response? Yeah. So my response to this was got in the car. It was a Friday evening and it was, it was the, it was the week was so interesting because it started as a relatively normal week of, okay, let's talk about worship this weekend. Let's talk about the, you know, to-do list this week, like when's date night going to be. And then by Friday it was the week had completely 180, right? It, It was, yeah. Do we, you know, am I going to have a job? You know, are we, are we, 
safe? How much money do I have in savings? I mean, just like the very basic, how, how, where do I get, how do I get toilet paper? Why is everyone buying toilet paper? What, what is, does this disease just make you have diarrhea just nonstop? <laughs> why are we, why are we buying so much toilet paper? Um, and yeah, and I remember leaving from this family's house, getting into my truck, walking to my truck. When I was walking to my truck, um, the sky, the sun was setting and the sky was like red. And I remember oh, thinking, always like, a good sign. And it was like strangely beautiful, strangely alarming. And there was these uh, birds and they were singing this, they were making this sound. And I, honestly, I just had the thought of that sounds like an alarm. Whoa. Like the sound that these birds are making sounds like an alarm. The sky is red. I'm walking to my truck after leaving this family. And I just kind of had this thought of like, well, this would happen during Lent. Whoa. Like this, this would be, I mean, this is not to get too theological, but like, this is the season where we, we mark the sign of death on our foreheads. That's how we start it right with Ash Wednesday. And, and we, we celebrate and acknowledge that from dust, we come and dust we return. And it's like, was kind of this moment of, of if this were to ever happen, it would, it would happen in the season of Lent, which is kind of terrifying. Um, and, and beautiful and frustrating and confusing. And so, yeah, my, my gut reaction was to get in my truck and I, and I put on, um, I put on a, a record and, and just listened to, um, it was, it was a hymn. It's this, this EP by this band out of Seattle who covered a bunch of hymns and kind of Whoa. like an indie way. And, um, yeah, was, that was my response was to listen to music. Yeah. What was, th- and I drove around longer than I needed to. Like I drove past my house, one of those things, you know, where you kind of keep driving for half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I've been wanting to just drive around because I feel like when you drive, your task is very simple. I'm going to this place in front of me and you can't really think about too much if you're listening to music, mm. but, um, I'm afraid to like use gas in this, in this environment, <laughs> yeah. like burn, burn through all my gas and then have to go back to the gas station and touch the handle. And yeah. Yeah. Stuff. Did listening and driving make you feel better? Because I, I'm also interested in, you know, in the wake of that first kind of pit of your stomach moment, what was the first point of relief? What was that? What was, what offered you that initial wave of hope in the beginning? Was it, was it putting on music? Yeah, I think, I think putting on music and also my, my truck and you know, this is such a like cliche Texas thing, like Texas guys in their truck. Like I get jokes yeah. about it a lot. I have this truck. It's a, it's an F-150. It's a, technically it's a Texas edition truck. I bought it, um, in 2013 and it's a 2011. I bought it used. So this truck is, is nine years old now. Right. Um, and it, it's, it's got 130,000 miles on it. Um, I've driven it back and forth, Texas, North Carolina, multiple times, have a ton of memories in this. This truck predates um, essentially like a, a a very pivotal kind of reset in my life of leaving Texas, moving to North Carolina, going to seminary, you know, doing all the meeting my wife. So any any person that I've met out here, including my wife, including my close friends out here, like this truck predates that. And this is the only space in my life that I have that has felt like truly my space, yeah. um, especially in the, in the past nine years, past seven years that I've owned it. Um, and so it's, it's become like a, and I kind of had that realization too of like, I can't wait to get back to my truck. I can't wait to, to get back mm. to my truck because I've moved houses, I've moved apartments, so, you know, it's like, but this has been kind of the one constant thing that 
I've had a relationship with this truck, with this vehicle longer than any of my relationships out here in my existence in North Carolina. And so, um, yeah. So, I mean, you've, you've ridden in my truck multiple times, Ryan. I mean, it's, yeah. it's actually, just, it's if, crazy to say, like, I have a longer relationship with my current vehicle than anyone else in the state I live in, including yeah. my wife, including my house, my dog, everything. And, and everyone, yeah. um, with the exception of close friends such as yourself and family from back home. I mean, it's, that's a really, I think, rare thing. So for me, that's kind of a sacred space. Yeah. That's if I may, that truck, I've been in that truck, very big, very like high off the ground. There's something about mm -hmm. getting in a truck. Like that's very vertical. You have to step up into it. You feel like you're entering a tank or a fortress. It feels mm -hmm. very safe. I also recall that in 2013 ish or something like that. Uh, we were both still living in the woodlands, which is the last time we ever lived in the same town. Mm -hmm. And I was working a job downtown and living with my parents and, um, for various reasons, wasn't in a particularly happy place for mm -hmm. much of the day, um, which spoke more to me than anything. But I would work these long, long hours downtown, brutal commute, and then I would come home and have like a couple hours before I had to sleep. Mm -hmm. Kind of a, a grind of being 23. And I remember you getting this truck and you would pick me up like you know, like once a week you would just pick me up in it and we would just like drive around and drive to the back of the woodlands and, uh, just listen to music in it. And it was, um, very calming and very soothing. And so, uh, I actually totally get that vibe. Um, and so that's, that's really interesting to hear that the truck, uh, continues to be that sort of source of solace. Well, it's, it's, it shows that it's a really great question on your end. Cause I haven't, I really haven't voiced any of that or given any of that much thought. Um, I didn't come on today thinking, Oh, I'm going to talk about my truck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I've, I've even had like moments of, um, you know, like, do I need to sell this or, you know, is it, is it time to get something newer or more, you know, reliable? Not that, I mean, this thing has been incre incredibly reliable and I've just kind of come to that realization of like, I think I'm just going to keep this as long as I can, you know, it's like the first vehicle. Um, what's well, for one, it's the first vehicle that we're at, that I bought, you know, like that's, I signed a loan for, and my dad co-signed with me and, um, all my other cars had been kind of hand-me-downs. Like my brother and I got my first car was like from our grandfather. And so this was, this was the first car that I picked out. Um, and the reason I bought a truck is because I'm a giant, right? It's not, not because I particularly love trucks. There's a lot of challenging things about owning a truck. Any truck owner would tell you, like there's the, the moving curse that everyone <laughs> wants your help moving. And yeah. um, you got to keep women away from you at all times. <laughs> Very difficult to do. Yeah, it's hard to do. It's it's, it's a just a magnet. Uh, <laughs> it's a magnet for a lot, but yeah, not for women. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway, that that's kind of my... Okay, so let me flip the question on you. So when did you know that this was a thing? I'm an alarmist. I'm like a very... like I do recall since January reading pieces in the journal about this virus thousands of miles away. But I'm, I've always been the type to freak out. But 99 times out of 100, it, it never materializes into anything. So in the back of my head, I'm also very comforted knowing that I'm an alarmist and that it's mm -hmm. probably irrational. Um, so I kind of had that low-level hum for like about a month and a half, like, this is coming, it's going to be a thing. But already, way, already way ahead of me in the story. <laughs> <laughs> like, And good for you, yeah. I also think 
being in a really dense northeast city it mm. adds a little bit to the anxiety like in the i'm in the orbit of new york city so there's an element of like well if it does come i'm in big trouble mm-hmm. but again was mostly just kind of you know talking at the wind because i even i deep down didn't really believe it but i do remember the the moment when i was like physically overcome with this sort of inevitability of it all um was the day that march madness was canceled and that sounds mm. like such a stupid little wake up call but f- you know you don't people don't really need to care that march madness is my favorite time of the year like it's it's literally my favorite couple weeks but just to like look at headlines that I thought couldn't be real that they were at yep. first going to play it to no fans but then pretty quickly after that they're like nope we're just not playing it this year um, sports to me for reasons I discussed in season two has always been this crucial outlet this crucial kind of white noise in my life soothing mm. invigorating frustrating and to just have sports ripped away from me and communal really, yeah so communal it was just a slap in the face and then on that same day i listened to some podcast that talked about this concept of herd immunity and it was basically saying like you know what at this point it's not a question of if but when and just hearing that hearing that there is no stopping this it's just a matter of slowing and then kind of enduring that was um like hearing judgment day in in some respect uh now i i I can talk all about how, you know, you kind of sober up in the wake of that initial sticker shock. But for me, that was like that kind of like March 12th, mm-hmm. just the world stopped. And, yeah. Um, I imagine there's a lot of people out there that can probably identify with that, that kind of same wake up call. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's a great answer. De- that definitely hit me too, especially with the NBA. Cause I was it NBA first and then March madness, I think. Yeah. That was. I remember I was watching the last NBA game and they stopped it right before it started. They were like warming up and then they announced they weren't going to play it because a player tested positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and just watching this in real time, it's mm-hmm. so unique. It's not like you wake up the next day and read the headlines. It's like we're literally watching this as it's unfolding. Yeah, I've. I. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, and you and you say. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I live in, in Raleigh, right. And so there's in carry. So there's this in the triangle of North Carolina. So the Duke Carolina thing is, is massive. Yeah. So that was like really interesting to hear like, Oh, like that game, like the Duke game has been canceled and that's just kind of unheard of. Um, yeah. feels like to me. And, um, okay. So, but you say alarmist, I say historian, right. <laughs> and I feel, I feel like this really has, and I, and I want to hit like kind of the second part of that question too, that you asked me, but follow up to what you just said. I feel like for scientists and historians, this is kind of hit in a different way. Um, as a historian, what is this? Has that impacted you watching this since January? I'm far from being a leading scholar of disease and epidemics. I want to preface. I, I by know, saying I know, that. But, so, but someone who's yeah. trained, right. And who's trained to think in this way, I guess what, Ultimately, I think we can learn from history here is that the 75 years between World War II and today, probably a little more than 75, but point being that period, that post-World War II order, yes, there's been smaller outbreaks, I think like 57, 68, something like that, but it's kind of been this like big nap period Mm -hmm. where we had the Cold War, which wasn't a traditional war. 
Um, we haven't had like a total world war in the sense of World War II. We haven't had a, a global epidemic since the Spanish flu. But I think what we can really learn is that- What year was for, the Spanish flu, Ride? Right, you know? It was, ish. I think- 1918 to 1920. Oh, that's right. Okay. Basically, the world emerges from World War One, which was the worst war mm-hmm. up until that time. The Great War. And go, yeah. The Great, yeah, the Nazi Great War, and goes straight into the worst epidemic of all time. It's just this mm-hmm. like incredible uh, cold streak for the globe. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what I kind of take away from smarter historians is that for every generation in history, disease death, pandemics, epidemics, these things were like part of the natural human experience. Mm. And they were no less, no more or less tragic or no more or less, um, you know, detestable or loathsome, but they were more familiar. And for us living today, especially like our generation, the 30 year olds who were kind of come in the post-Cold War world, Mm. we've known 9-11, we've known the 08 housing market crash, but we've never known a sort of viral fear in this sense. And I, I don't know if generation, you know, our parents' generation has either known it. So the point is, this is just wholly unfamiliar to us. And mm-hmm. I don't think we've ever really had to confront the lack of control and ubiquity of this. It's, it's everywhere. 9 11, mm-hmm. yes, tragic everywhere, but um, sort of a focused. Yeah. Event. Isolated event. Yeah. This is, it's in theory on your doorknob. It's, it's on your, you know, Mm. your neighbor's aerosolized sneeze. It's everywhere in, Mm. in our minds. So I'm rambling here, but the point is, I think it's the lack of familiarity Mm. um, for something that was otherwise familiar for human beings for millennia. Wow. Wow. That's fascinating. Um, Gosh, I have a million follow-up questions to that. Okay. So what, for you, what was the, what, how did you process that March madness is canceled? What was the turn? Was there any turn towards hope? Was there any relief? You know, was it music? Was it what happened? So it's, it's canceled. And then I pretty quickly realized like, I'm going to get out of Boston for a bit Mm. and drive to PA where my parents live Mm -hmm. and just like hide out in the suburbs for a bit, a little more space, a little more food. Uh, It's just like easier to get outside if I want to step outside for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I make that drive in one, it's like one five hour push, mm. which is exactly a tank of gas for my highly inefficient Jeep Wrangler. <laughs> um, I can literally make it in one tank if I drive smartly. Mm-hmm. But for anyone who drives five hours, you know, you got to stop at some point. Mm. Na- nature runs its course. But I remember leaving Boston and as I was on my way out, I still saw a couple people in restaurants. Like life wasn't totally at a standstill. But throughout my drive, I usually stop at the Starbucks in New Haven, Connecticut. And I decided that I didn't want to go in because Mm. of the pandemic. And obviously Connecticut and New York are a little heavier hit. Mm -hmm. So I decided to pee in a parking lot. And like New Haven is not- We've like all been the there. Back, it's not the backwoods. It's like a very well-lit, populated <laughs> college town. Like Yale is in New Haven. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, to me, having to find like a place in a massive parking lot 
like a, a relatively derelict corner. <laughs> like found this abandoned truck and just like peed on the truck. Um, <laughs> oh, no. And the whole time you're just like you're trying to like push, but not like <laughs> before like a cop can come. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to me, I was like zooming out of my life at that point. Like, this is just like a Wednesday night. And I'm just like peeing in a Connecticut parking lot. I was like, <laughs> this is funny and sad. Uh, yeah, and I'm yeah. disappointed in myself. Right now. <laughs> that brought some relief. It brought That's relief so in a lot of ways. I should say. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. <laughs> That's real. Um, there was, uh, I was in Costco. This was, this was again, like five weeks ago. I think this was the same week that I had just mentioned another kind of glimmer of hope. Uh, I'm in Costco. I'm there not panic buying. I'm there because I need things. Like <laughs> we need, we get our dog food from Costco. And so I'm like, oh yeah, like we're out of dog food. And 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 this is when I I started, real, like I walked in and I was like, this place is packed. This is insane. Like why are all these people here? It's, you know, Thursday night, Wednesday night or something. There's no free samples. There's no free samples. <laughs> so I'm upset and you know I'm rolling through and, I've, and I'm getting like mouthwash, right? People, I'm realizing like people are, you know, I'm seeing all this toilet paper in people's carts. And so I'm like, what is going on? So we actually needed toilet paper. This wasn't like a panic thing. It was it's like, we're getting low. Natural cycle. Yeah. Natural cycle. You know, nature takes its course. And uh, so I go back to the um, paper products, all the TP's gone. And that's when it like really started to sink in. Like, okay, something, something's really happening here. This is like, cause this happens in hurricane season in North Carolina. You know, we hear about a storm coming or there's get, we're going to get like a dusting of snow. Things might close for a couple of days. People, you know, freak out, you know, milk and eggs are gone. Um, and I remember getting in line that night and I've got multivitamins, I've got M&Ms, you know, I've got stuff that we, that I normally dog food, right? Stuff that I normally just buy. And I get in this line, never been in a line like this, probably 73 people in this line. Oh my gosh. In Costco to check out. And at this point, I've like got so much in my cart that I'm like, and I look at the line, I'm like, all right, it's probably going to be at least half an hour. And I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll just do it, you know, just endure, you know, who knows how bad this thing's going to be. And I look up in this line, everyone's got TP, paper towels, you know, all these, <laughs> all these different things like ramen. Like I, we, I, I picked up some ramen too, but everyone's kind of stocking up and there's this one guy in this line and he, instead of a cart, he has like one of those dollies, like one of those, like flat, like one of those flat <laughs> Industrial. Yeah, like an industrial thing. And he has one thing on this like flatbed cart and it's a 65 inch high def television. Yeah, boy. <laughs> and that brought me so much joy and hope to see like everyone freaking out, preparing for the apocalypse. And this guy's just preparing in his own way. <laughs> he's like, I'm preparing. He's like, I, I just happen. He just happens to buy like go TV shopping on this day. It's hilarious. <laughs> And he powered through the line. He stayed in the line and bought it. Like I saw the whole thing. It was awesome. I love it. Not dude. a single other item. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was just like a single Snickers bar on a, a dolly. And you're like, this man is a cold, cold killer. <laughs> Savage. Yeah. I think we all know you can't walk out of Costco with a single Snickers bar. It's not possible. <laughs> you got to get the whole thing. Um, have oh. you, when you go to the, I assume you've been to a grocery store in the past two weeks or something. Yeah, I was I was in one this week. Are you repping masks, gloves, the whole nine? No, 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 no. Um, really? Well, this may not air well right now. Um, we, I, we, we. I've seen some people doing the mask thing. Um, 
I thought about throwing like a bandana on or something, you know, like I have like a, from when I own a motorcycle, it's like a bandana that goes over your neck or something. I was like, should I throw that on? But so that, so this was, this was a few nights ago. I'm out fishing. There's a pond in our neighborhood. It's, it's funny that like fishing and golfing are the two sports I'm like not horrible at are the only two you can do right now. Yeah. <laughs> so I've King been, of social distance. Yeah. So I've been like playing golf and I've been fishing and the, the weather's been perfect here. So it's like, I'm out fishing. Um, I'd been out for a couple hours that evening and towards the end of the night, as the sun was setting, you know, eight, eight 15, I'm just, I'm just yanking. I start yanking fish out of this pond. Like, you know, just boom, boom, boom. And I call Brittany it's completely dark. I'm still catching fish and I'm like, all right, I've got to go home. I can't even see my hand and you know, I'm out at this pond. I can't even see my hand in front of my face. I call Brittany and I'm like, I've got hot hands. Like tonight's the night because we're low. We never got toilet paper at Costco. We've just been kind of making do with what we had. And now it's like, we're approaching decision time, right? It's like, we have to find some toilet paper or we're going to have an along came Polly situation, <laughs> you know? how important is the embroidery, you know, the, like how- <laughs> the French are, this is a great time to, to buy high on Boudet stock. The yeah. French are just, <laughs> I know they have their, their own problems, but no TP is no problem there. Yeah. So I'm like, do we like, what are the Chipotle napkins? Like, how do those oh break down? Gosh. a septic system? <laughs> So that's that, that's an apt analogy because like Chipotle kind of completes the natural food cycle <laughs> by starting as Chipotle food and then becoming yeah, yeah. what you would wipe. Yeah. Oh, great. So I'm like, I call Brittany. I'm like, I got hot hands. Like tonight's the night. I'm feeling it. I'm go- I'm gonna go search for toilet paper. You know what else is on the grocery list? So she, you know, update the list and and she starts googling around. I'm like, what's open? And she's like, nothing's open. Like, no grocery stores open. They're all closing early. I'm like, well, come on. Like, the Harris Teeter right next to us is 24 hours. She's like, nope, they close at 8.30. So she starts going down through the list. Boom, boom, boom. It's I think it's 9 o'clock at this point, and I'm driving home. And she's like, everything's close. Like, I don't know what to tell you. And I'm like, good Lord. Like, there's not one 24 hours. So... I'm driving in. I've accepted. Okay. I'm just going to go home. But like my hands are hot, Ryan. <laughs> like I've got red hot hands. I'm yanking fish out of this pond. Never happens to me. I'm feeling really good. I decide there's this little animal hospital kind of right the turn before you turn in for, to our neighborhood. I pull in, I park, I, pu- I whip out my phone. I'm like, there's got to be something open. Sure enough, there's a food lion, you know, 10 minutes away. Yeah. Open till 11. I'm like, this is it. Like, of course, Food Lion is still open. <laughs> I think I think I told you this and you were like, that's where you go to catch it. You go to Food Lion to catch it. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I, I mean, I don't know what else to do. Like Instacart, at this point, Instacart's backed up, right? Like yeah, all the delivery stuff, Amazon, you're not getting anything uh, in the week of. And so I go to Food Lion, you know, it's probably 939, I walk in, manager's there. Manager's setting up uh, Easter stuff, right? Like peeps and stuff, like the Easter yeah. display. And I'm like, do you have, I was like, I- I'm going to ask you a question. You haven't been asked today. Do you have toilet paper? <laughs> can I use a peep <laughs> yeah, as toilet I- paper? <laughs> 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 Sir, please do not do that. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a dozen. Um, <laughs> and he's like, no, you idiot. Like, of course not. <laughs> it's the, tur- he doesn't call it's me the turbo idiot, man. In, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, this guy wants to know if we have any Turbo Man. <laughs> it's only the hottest selling toy ever. <laughs> They're like laughing in his face. Chris Parnell yes. in an early B-roll. <laughs> oh, hey, Billy, this guy wants to know if uh, we have any Turbo Man dolls. It's so good. <laughs> we have his friend Booster. It's so good. Booster, I couldn't remember the name. <laughs> Nobody wants Booster. 
<laughs> Can we also just respect Sin? A moment of silence for how good Sinbad is in that role, dude. He, I want my roommate and I watched that this past Christmas. Oh that movie gosh. holds up. <laughs> and I know this because I went to a junior college for a semester and I studied psychology. <laughs> Rodney King was talking about this. <laughs> All right, so yeah, so I go to this guy. He's like, "No, there's nothing." So I'm like, "All right, well, when do you get your shipments for toilet paper?" And he's like, well, we're supposed to get them Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. But the past couple of weeks, there's been like last Saturday, there was nothing on the shipment. Just no food, n- no toilet paper, nothing. I'm like, all right, thanks. So at this point, Brittany's told me what the, you know, we need bananas. We need this. We need that. So I start looking around. I'm like, okay, here's bread. I, f- I found bagels at food line. I'm like, buy one, get one free bagels. I'm like, perfect. I got grapes. I got berries. You know, I got beer. I got wine. I got all the stuff she wants me to get. I'm going down. I've I've got, um, you know, cheese and cracker, and I'm and I'm passing the paper products aisle, and I'm like, ah, might as well check, right? Pull into this aisle, shelves are bare, right? Things are yeah. things are looking grim, but there is eight packages of toilet paper on the shelf, hmm. and one package of paper towels on the shelf, and this guy told me there was nothing. This manager. And I walk up and I'm like, well, surely this isn't like, you know, I kind of see it from a distance. Walk up. There's, there's packs of six, eight packs of six, one pack of 12. And it says, please limit two per customer. So I grab yeah. a, grab a pack of 12, grab a pack of six, last pack of 12. And I, and I roll out of there. So as I'm checking out, this guy's looking at me, I'm just staring him down. I'm like, <laughs> just, I'm like, come on, dude, you lied to me. Just give him the bird. I know, I know that he knew that there was toilet paper. I mean, this is the item everybody wants, right? Yeah. And it's like, in my mind, there was a lot of toilet paper there. There was yeah. 10 packs of toilet paper. Um, it was expensive. It was like, I don't know if they upcharged it, but the pack of 12 cost me like $17. That's um, about right. And so anyway, I, I rolled out with, you just push the peep 18. display over. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I don't like you. Okay. And, I, and, and Brittany was so, uh, God love her. She, I, I mean, like she was totally game with me trying, right? Like, yeah. just like, you know, that way she doesn't have to. <laughs> um, but she texted me and I, I could like hear the disbelief and I texted her a picture of it. And all I said, and all the caption of the picture of the toilet paper was, was I've got hot hands. <laughs> <laughs> I for a minute what when about you, you first said that, which you've now said twenty times, I've got hot hands. Um, <laughs> and I love the, it's a title of the say. episode, obviously. <laughs> I, I just kept thinking about you having these the product hot hands, which are like these hand warmers that skiers wear, <laughs> and having to resort to that in a very dire situation, <laughs> and what could possibly ensue. Um, I remember looking at my stock of TP before this all started, like again, like early March. And I was yeah, like, yeah. I had a half roll on the thing and then I had two rolls in reserve and I was like, I can make it. <laughs> C- couldn't make it. Uh, quickly learned you cannot make it on that. Um, so what'd you do? I was able to procure. Interesting that you say that. I got the last pack of six at a grocery store and dude, I don't buy the last of anything. Mm-hmm. If you show up and there's one box of special K left, you're not buying that box. Something's wrong with that box. It was put back for a reason. It was passed over, touched by everyone. Oh dude, I'm grabbing that box and celebrating. Oh gosh. I'm I'm, I'm the no. I'm the exact opposite. That's Chern- that's the Chernobyl box. Oh. I don't radioactive. 
And especially with TP, I'm not buying the last TP. What do you, it hasn't been, has it been opened? Is there, is there, I don't like it. I don't trust it. It's been returned. It's like, it's like taped back used. together. <laughs> it was used, washed, re-rolled. I actually thought this was three-ply. It was only two-ply, so I returned it. <laughs> um, so I, I did end up buying also the last TP, which goes against my consumer philosophy, <laughs> but, but desperate times. That's really fun. I actually, so I, I, there was, I mentioned there was one, uh, paper towel package left. So I grabbed it. I'm like, sure. Um, why not? It's the last one. Right. And then I kind of had the thought of like, am I contributing to this problem? Like, I know I need toilet paper, right? Like this is a non-negotiable. Um, I have to, I have to walk out of here with toilet paper. Um, but paper towels, I'm like, what well, do we have paper? And so I call Brittany. I'm like, what's our paper towel situation? She's like, oh, we got four rolls, you know, five rolls left. So we had, I bought some a while ago and, you know, a giant yeah. thing of it and kind of forgot about it. Um, and to me, like paper towel, having that is way less important than toilet paper, right? Um, 100%. And so I ended up, I put it back because I was like, wow. Like, you know, there's going to be someone who needs, I'm like trying to make myself a hero in this, but <laughs> I cut, I don't know. I just had the thought cool. of like, I'm part of the problem here right now. Like I don't need this. I'm not out of paper towels. I'm yeah. out. Of, I'm out of toilet paper. We have to, I have to get this, but I don't know. I just kind of had that thought of like, and then I started thinking about how did this start? Like who was the person who decided we're going to run out of toilet paper? <laughs> I'm going to go buy a hundred things. Like it, Cause like, so I've, you know, studied economics, like it, it all kind of comes back to this one, right. it, there's a source of every shortage, right. Um, to where one per and a lot of it isn't necessary. A lot of it is unfounded uh, often, um, to where it's like, you know, if there's a gas shortage that's often founded, but I mean, it's, it's, it, it's a really interesting, just social study of, and I've, and I started Googling around and I couldn't find anything about like, when did the shortage of toilet paper start? Who initiated the rumor? Um, I think there's just still a lot of confusion about it, but I think, I think it is just from a social experiment standpoint, kind of a fascinating thing that this is the item that everyone's locked in on. Do you have any yeah. input on this as a, as a like statistician historian? Any, any I, I wrote my uh, master's thesis <laughs> on Keynesian economics towards demand side TP consumption <laughs> in developed nations. Adam Smith and the problem of toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> the gospel of the shelf. Um, that was Adam Smith. I could go on and go into great detail, but our listeners are like, they don't come here for that content. No, so I'll, that's a supplemental <laughs> okay. Japanese release B-side <laughs> podcast for us. Same joke that I made right before we recorded, but I'm going to make it on my side only. I like it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I totally get it. So I, I would feel really uncomfortable buying any more than one one set of TP. Um, well, I just told you I'm, that I bought two I'm, sets, so don't make well, me feel too bad. I'm a good person. Um, <laughs> <It was> a- <laughs> <laughs> nah, dude. I, I, but I have been driving around with that pack of six in my car. It's like my reserve because I've been going from Philly to Boston. Mm-hmm. And when I'm in Philly, I use my my parents have their own stuff. So I'm, I'm kind of now this 
I've been reduced to someone who drives between two northeastern metropolitan areas, pees in parking lots, <laughs> and only has toilet paper in their car. Your car I'm is like obviously going to get broken into, and that's going to be taken. Very strange bathroom bandit. <laughs> like every time you leave your car and lock it, you you cover the toilet paper in the back with a blanket, like it's like a laptop or something. <laughs> I I leave an iPad next to it to try and like <laughs> a deterrent, <laughs> a booby trap. Oh, it's so good. They'll take that. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> um, Colin, what are your thoughts on hydroxychloroquine? Are we right to be hopeful about it? Oh man, I have no input on that. I'm, I'm kidding. I, I, yeah. Okay. Talk, I do have. I do have a serious question. Um, and I've and I've asked this question to a lot of people recently, and have kind of continually been asking myself. But what's uh, and we've tapped on this a little bit. But what's been bringing you joy lately? Well, actually, before we get into that. Serious question. How are you doing? Like, how is your mental health? How is your, how are you, how is Ryan? I, I feel on some weird level, my life hasn't been disrupted that much. And I think that's ultimately not a good thing. Like I was already an introvert. Now, granted, yes, I'm not seeing friends going to bars, hmm. um, playing shows, whatever, but I feel like introverts have trained for this moment their whole lives. Um, and what we feel when we go to parties, extroverts are probably now feeling. Um, so in a, in a very re- weird way, I'm like kind of cool, quote unquote, mm-hmm. with quarantine. Like I, I can do it pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, I am someone who thinks often about, who dwells on like, I do feel very guilty often. Uh, I think it's kind of ingrained in my nature. So I am at the end of the day, very privileged and in a very relatively comfortable position, mm-hmm. not immune to this virus. I'm not immune to, I'm not impervious to pain and sadness and like the loss of loved ones. I fear all that stuff very much, but I, I have, my heart's been weighing very, very heavily just thinking about, um, all the jobs lost and, and all the mm-hmm. sadness that's happening in the world right now. And that has taken like a very emotional toll on me. I've, I've never really been someone to like read the news incessantly or mm-hmm. to be particularly moved by what wasn't happening in my vicinity. And I think that's a flaw on my part, but, um, I have been like very humbled and I think just kind of beseeched mm-hmm. by besieged, I'm sorry, besieged by what is happening in in the world right now and the lives that are suffering. And I only bring all this up because I think it's been this sort of moment of reckoning on my end on a lot of things with faith. Whereas in the daily life, it's just really easy to not think about what happens um, Mm. outside of your own immediate vicinity and your own life and what you see. So this has kind of been like when you say Lent, is a an oddly appropriate time for this to happen. It really has been for me, not to say that this is some like cookie cutter narrative on my end, but it's just been like an occasion to hit pause in a way I didn't expect to, mm. um, as I, as I'm kind of besieged by all that sadness, I've sort of reckoned with a lot of spiritual matters on my end as well, mm. which has been the ultimate form of relief for me in a way that I'm not sure anything in this world could be relieving. Um, so I'm all over the place here with this answer. Um, but for, for as much as a two minute answer can provide it, I think that's kind of been, um, this strangely beautiful silver lining to this all for me. Mm. 
Um, yeah. And I, and yeah, I don't know. That's a great answer. Yeah. Um, do you find that it's, it's changing day to day for you just emotionally, spiritually, physically, like that you're f- just feeling as, have you been roller coastering? Have you been pretty consistent? Yeah. And honestly, I'm like super inarticulate right now. Cause I haven't talked about this with anyone. So I decided I'd talk about it with everyone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this seemed like the appropriate platform. Yeah. It changed dude, it changes by the minute. I mean, uh, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm, it's like a capricious breeze going this way, that way it stops and starts. And, um, I kind of think that's probably what to expect here. But I, I, again, I think this is, um, I, I once read this memoir by this guy, Richard Hell. He, he is not his real name, but he's, um, kind of looked at as the father of the modern punk movement. It's like the best Mm -hmm. memoir I've ever read. And I don't really like memoirs, but he ends the book by, by saying, God likes two things, change and a joke. And the joke is that everything in your life that changes tends to bring you back to where you've already been. Mm. Um, and I could just kind of like chew on that, like a hard candy for the rest of my life. That, mm. that statement, I'm probably paraphrasing it brutally, but I think in a very strange thing, in a very strange sense, this, um, my and I'm but one man and one experience here. It's brought me kind of back to to where I was spiritually and where I wanted to be. Um, and of course, I don't view this as like a sort of. Um, I don't think like the oh the pandemic happened so that people could believe this or that or yeah like, yeah I, I definitely don't believe that yeah God's, I do believe, God's not a puppeteer maybe I don't yeah. yeah I don't believe in that kind of narrative version mm-hmm. of things but. I do believe in the silver linings playbook. And if you can find a silver lining mm. amidst what is happening, then like that's your strategy. And I try to live that. So, mm. uh, but yeah, to answer your question, it changes all the time. And, and to, I probably wouldn't trust someone who was totally unaffected by this or who was totally sent into constant hysterics by it either. I think ultimately mm. nuance and complications and frustrations is, is, probably the human path here. I, I don't know. Again, I'm all over the place and I'm insecure about that, but, um, yeah. Have you been kind of similarly mm. battered around in the ocean like a buoy? Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, like it's, it's definitely been changing day to day. Um, a lot of your answer kind of resonated with me of, um, I'm, I'm technically an introvert, but obviously I have like a lot of extroverted tendencies. And, um, so there's in a sense, like I've really enjoyed being able to, um, work from home every day and being able to, um, have a little bit more, uh, things just slow down, I think in a sense. And this is like required us to take stock in a lot of ways, but yeah, I mean, hit definitely have hit some low points. And, um, I read an article, I think it was in the, the New York times. It was like the, the feeling that you're feeling is grief was the, like the title of the article. And it was a really interesting, like, um, examination of, of, grieving and kind of the, all the change that and disruption that this has brought on. And I think, I think you're also right to name that there's just a lot of a privilege for me that I've recognized of this has mostly as of now just been an inconvenience, right? Um, yeah. things, a lot of things are on pause in my life. There's a lot of, um, you know, projects and stuff and, and work stuff that's changed and on pause, but, um, you know, haven't, haven't lost anyone that's near dear to me. You know, I'm not, yeah. not worried, not in like a, 
any grave health concern. I mean, there's, um, still have my wife and I still have our jobs, you know, so it's, there's a lot to be grateful for, but yeah, I did have the thought kind of early on of, um, so I, th- I think in some way, what's interesting is seeing how, um, and this is like a, a podcaster and a kind of a theologian I really love. He, he's, he says that, um, our numbing agents have been stripped away. It's like yeah. a, a line that he had that everything that we kind of lean on, whether it's March madness or sports, things that are, that are, there's nothing wrong with these things, right? There's nothing bad about these things, but things that like what you said, like the constant kind of white noise in our life, all of that has like kind of seemed like it ceased for a week and yeah. it was kind of like the i mean i think in a lot of ways like the core of of spirituality and faith is is death um it's it's thinking about death and what's what why am i here and right and and think these kind of like existential questions that we have that we're able to kind of push to the the outskirts of things and and focus on the netflix show which is like ironically like you know like tiger king and like all these like netflix shows are like exploding yeah. right now but there's definitely still a lot of numbing happening but it was like oh yeah like this is lent like lent is all about introspection and kind of wrestling with these questions. And, um, it's the church's springtime. It's when winter's gone and things are blooming and you're kind of thinking about, okay, what are these deeper questions? In a lot of ways, like this is what the monastics do all the time, right? Like we've seen movements where you have like monks that just go into the desert, right. And they just retreat from society entirely and live lives of solitude. And so it's, I think in a lot of ways, like we've inadvertently like, brushed up against a lot of that. And a lot of these things in America that we depend on and and even worldwide are, um, to kind of, you know, keep us going and, and, and make us feel like quote unquote happy have disappeared. And it's, it's left a void in a lot of ways. And, um, I think like in a, in kind of a beautiful way, it's opened us up to a lot of the beauty that's seemed really small and minute, um, that's been right in front of us the whole time. Right. So like one of the things I said to my wife earlier, I was like, well, like this is exhausting. I mean, so to be a pastor, I mean, it just was so exhausting the first couple of weeks. Cause it was like every way and, and, and exhausting for a lot of people, a lot of professions, but every way that we normally do things is changing and having to like learn that I think with everyone was exhausting. Like I'd never use zoom. That's not something I'd used. I've used FaceTime and I've used Skype, but it was like, okay, I got to learn how to use Zoom. I got to like, you know, learn all these different things. You got to communicate it to everyone. It was super, you go into a meeting, you know, you make a decision about, okay, we're not going to serve communion this weekend. You come out of that meeting, you realize the entire situation has changed. That happened like every day, five days in a row to where we just felt inefficient because we couldn't keep up with how quick things were changing just societally. And it was exhausting. It was emotionally exhausting. It was frustrating. It was infuriating. There was, there was anger. And then, but now I think it's like, I've definitely moved past the acceptance stage. It's like, okay, this is happening. This is something that's real. And now it's like, I'm, I'm trying to reframe the question from what are the things that I can't do, which I feel yeah. like we've, we've been kind of communally focusing on for so long. Um, well, really not even that long, but for a month to what can this season uniquely offer me that no other season in my life is going to be able to offer me. Like when we look back on the grand scheme of our life and we remember the season of the pandemic, the season of the coronavirus, what will we remember? Um, and there was a, there was a meme actually I'd love to, I'd love to share it. If okay. If that's okay. Something, I love it. Something on Facebook that kind of, 
um, it was a little cheesy and a little corny, but it kind of hit me in, in a way that I thought was, uh, that was, was kind of powerful. So it says, uh, in 2030 college student in history class, we learned that the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020 was, was really bad. What was that like? And it says parent. Well, everything was shut down in an attempt to kill the virus, but not everyone followed the order to quarantine for 15 days. So it lasted longer than anyone expected. Many people died who shouldn't have. Grocery stores were out of everything because people were hoarding as much as they could. We were scared of economic failure for our country and for the globe, for ourselves, because we couldn't work. Don't you remember it? You were eight. College student. All I remember was the school closing and being homeschooled. I remember doing scavenger hunts in our yard. I remember eating meals as a family for a change. I remember (laughs) getting great sleep because I wasn't up late for homework or getting up early for school. I remember board games as a family. I remember watching our pastor on the laptop. Honestly, it was the happiest time of my childhood. (laughs) And again, like kind of cheesy, right? But it just kind of hit me in a way of like, oh yeah. And I see kids, like I hear kids in our neighborhood because we, we have screens on our doors. We've got a back patio. And so I'm working out there all the time. The weather's really nice here. There are kids, Ryan, that have never been more active and mm. Of course, like a ton of them breaking the social distancing rules. I know. <laughs> there's there's a house a few blocks down that has a trampoline. This trampoline is like just listening to these kids on this trampoline during the day, like they're having the best times of their life. Yeah. And um it's it's really hard to be outside on a patio. The weather's perfect. You know, spring, it's blooming. There's there's flowers and greenery everywhere here in North Carolina right now. And there's kids just having the time of their lives. There's a, there's a si- um, sidewalk in our neighborhood that is completely covered with chalk. And they've, <laughs> these kids have taken these chalk boxes and essentially they've taped them to like parts of the railing on this walking trail. And you, they just are asking people to grab chalk and, and write something. Right. And like it, the coronavirus death statistics, <laughs> <laughs> just like a real time update in chalk. Well, that's what's hilarious is like, okay, so this chalk is like, most of them are like beautiful message, such creative messages of hope. One of them is like, you know, you're walking on this thing and it says, turn around and walk backwards. And then you're doing that. And then you're reading things that kids have written backwards. Like you can do it. We're going to make it through this. Red rum. It's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be. Red okay. rum. You're Sorry. such an idiot. I, That's I, so be- it's so beautiful. And I'm just, no, I know I, I did that too. Of course I'm walking it and I'm, and I'm walking backwards and I'm like, this is so stupid. And then, and then you get <laughs> to the you. end and it's like, turn around, you did it. And there's, it's filled with these messages of hope which I love, but one of the things that I love about it too is you're right. Like there are kids who are writing um, like super inappropriate messages (laughs) on this sidewalk, you know, like one of them was like my grandmother just died to coronavirus. And you're like, why would you write that on the sidewalk? You don't even know if it's true, but it's, but it's dark. It's super dark. And yeah, there is, there's kids who've like really messed with it and, and put like people's phone numbers on it and stuff. And, but all that to say on the whole, very beautiful. Um, there's someone someone blew up this really weird looking alien thing and put it like hung it up like on this uh construction sign by our thing like like attached it to this construction sign and the alien is holding a sign that just says like we're gonna make it through this and it's like like the silliest dumbest thing but for whatever reason it's like i don't know it's just like an incredibly um yeah you're hearing the kids in the neighborhood they're drawn on the sidewalks there's it's hard to ignore a lot of that hope, yeah. I think, and, and that 
communal, even though it doesn't feel communal because we're not physically yeah. together. Like there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of positivity and good vibes in that. Do you think the alien was talking to other aliens? Like we will make it through this while the humans <laughs> will not make it through this. And I know, we will right? have their, their terrible earth to inherit. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's funny. No, I do. I love it. I mean, the fact is like, the pain and suffering is real mm-hmm. and everyone's experiencing it to various degrees. I don't want to, I don't think like we need to get in a conversation of that is real pain and this is not real mm-hmm. pain. Like, yes, inconvenience is not as bad as losing a loved one at the end of the day. But I also think a conversation around like a hierarchy of suffering is unproductive. Um, mm-hmm. So I think kind of amidst that, whether it's a lost 401k, lost jobs, lost whatever, um, the pain and suffering is real and it's, it's unfortunately here and it's probably not going away overnight. And you're, mm-hmm. I think you're just spot on there. It, it, what can I do instead of watching the task force briefing, briefing every day mm-hmm. or getting enraged at the WHO or looking back and thinking, why didn't nations do things differently? Mm-hmm. That's frustrating and maybe worth like doing the mental exercise for. Um, and I hope we as a world do a retro here to try to prevent this again but what can i do as an individual in the meantime to alleviate pain and suffering in this world to to not cause it and to it's as simple as sitting down and having dinner with your family which again i've done more times these past this past month than i have in probably the past five years um Mm -hmm. looking someone in the eye instead of like talking to them while texting on my phone you know Mm -hmm. um putting you know, watching two episodes in Netflix instead of four and like picking up a book or going on a walk and, and mm-hmm. not listening to anything at all. So, or, or calling someone, you know, my point is I don't have like a diagnosis here, but I love your approach there. Like what can I control amidst very real sadness? Um, but if I can change one tiny thing, then it's probably worth it. Yeah, no. And and again, like, I don't want to just like shove happiness and and joy down everyone's throat. Absolutely not. Because I'm at, I'm, there's a lot too that I'm upset about that's like people jumping to that. So many people and actors and celebrities have jumped to that place of positivity so quickly that it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You just, you just bypass. It's disingenuous. Yeah, it's disingenuous. Like, there is some very, I think absolutely we're going to have a global mental health crisis on our hands here of, of people being, you know, needing, having to be out of community. I have a lot of friends who've written on Facebook about like, I understand that like social distancing is what we need to be doing, but it's really hard for me and my personality type to be alone. And I think that that's like a very real thing. We had, we had three suicides, you know, that happened here a couple weeks ago and it was like bang, bang, bang. I mean, very, very real, I think suffering happening, but to only focus on that, um, is, is to rob, I think the, the, the holistic human experience. Right. And, and not everyone's going to be, you know, at the same place in that journey at the same time. Um, in particularly kind of how we're processing this. But, um, I also think that, yeah, like they're there for me, it was like, I don't need to spend more than 15 minutes reading about the coronavirus every day. So like, I just, yeah. it's like, what are the simple like rules 
that I can do that are going to keep me sane during this time, which is because, you know, when it broke, it was like you're spending hours on on Dude, all day on Twitter. And yeah. I work for Twitter. So, <laughs> yeah, right. It was <laughs> so- <laughs> like at this point, it's like there's not much new information coming out on a day to day basis. Yeah. Like I need to limit my input to 15 minutes. I need to keep a journal of the thing and, and I need to write down 10 things a day that are that I'm grateful for that I've seen or, or heard yeah. or, you know, that have happened. Um, and I think that like, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that the, the, what's the, um, I was watching a show and it was, uh, what's the, what's the, um, general say on, on D day is, this is related in some way, I promise. But, um, advance or die was the, was the quote. I mean, the, yeah, the only way out, like out of this thing is through it. Right. Um, you, you, yeah. all of us are going to have to just power. The only way to get out is to power through. Yeah, dude, that's, that's so well put to go back a step that when this, when this celebrities released that, um, montaged John Lennon Imagine cover. Did you see this? <laughs> no, I didn't see this. Gal Gadot. Um, and this is not a condemnation of any individual celebrity in the video, but okay. uh, Gal Gadot like, got a bunch of celebrities together, like Mark Ruffalo, Kristen Wiig, um, Amy Adams, and a bunch of people I didn't recognize. And they like together sang John Lennon's Imagine together like so each took like a little verse and then they mashed it up so it was one long video yeah yeah and it was just like the most tone deaf like quote like fake happiness Uh, they're all in their rich big houses Mm -hmm. while people are stuck in shoebox apartments in manhattan yeah um that type of stuff is just not how humans respond to tragedy Mm. Uh, we don't respond by saying imagine if there was no heaven yeah yeah Um, (laughs) if anything it would help to imagine if there is a heaven right now but the point is (laughs) the point is there's a time to be angry and there's a time Mm. to be sad and you don't want to ignore those things and block it out because it's real and it's true but you're right. Like if you just sit in front of CNN refreshing death statistics all day, you're going to lose your mind. Um, Mm -hmm. and so you, you got to have a strategy beyond that. I don't, I don't have a perfect strategy, but, um, usually talking with people helps. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, should we um, kind of wind down here? Yeah, I think we should. Can we can we do maybe one more question of because there is a lot of uh, and I hate hate to know that there is a lot of free time. There is a lot of um, I'm I'm constantly looking for recommendations right now. Uh, if you could recommend one piece of content to consume that's maybe not quarantine related, that's just brought you some sort of joy or peace, whether that's television show, movie, book, what would you? what would you recommend? Man, that is, that is a good question. There's, I'll just say, I, I'm, I'm going to be a snob for one second. I have not watched Tiger King and I'm not going to watch Tiger King. Whenever something like Tiger Ooh. King happens, there's a very thin, intolerable, miserable slice of the population, which I am a member. <laughs> and we define ourselves against the Tiger King. About not doing it. Yeah. 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 And then in a year, we watch Tiger King and want to talk about it. And yeah. everyone's moved on. And this is what's happening in real time with me yeah. right now. Um, so I have not watched Tiger King. Um, I did see I, a meme that said, uh, Is Tiger King that good or are options that limited? <laughs> That's kind of funny. Oh gosh, that was my phone. Just <laughs> um, yeah, there's so much content. People don't need my recommendation, but if I can, uh, there's a new show on Hulu called Devs, D-E-V-S. Dude, I keep seeing this pop up. I haven't watched it. 
one season. You're not signing up for a big 12-season marathon. Nick Offerman's in it. Love he him. is not like a it's not like a classic comedy. It's this sort of sci-fi uh tech artificial intelligence thriller. Mm. Um very serendipitous timing with everything that's going on. Watch the pilot. You will not be able to look away. Devs on Hulu. Oh dude, I got to check it out. And that's is that on Hulu via FX? I cannot say. Cannot I know say? it's on. Okay. I know it's on Hulu. It's, <laughs> and it's he has like, like a he has a weird haircut, right? I've just seen the poster for yeah. it or something, right? Yeah, he does. It's kind of like um, the show Silicon Valley, which is obviously funny, mixed with this movie called Annihilation with Natalie Portman. It's like Dude, if you took these two movies together. I actually, I actually love that movie, and I read the book Annihilation. It was a book before oh, the movie. Amazing. Denis Villeneuve, fantastic. So good. So good. Yeah, what do you got? What do you got for the people? Um, although Dennis didn't direct that movie, I have to. I hate to say it. it was, uh, I think it was Alex Garland directed that. The director of Ex Machina. Oh, <laughs> that's that's a hard edit. <laughs> that's a hard, <laughs> I'm leaving it in. Are you serious? You are. You're right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Sorry, man. I'm sorry. You might be thinking of Arrival. I just watched Arrival. That's why. I'm... Oh, that's why. That's why I was thinking about it. Hey, I could have been a much more of a jerk about it, but I wasn't. I also. Oh, Annihilation? <laughs> Are you. <laughs> also, he's. I think his name is pronounced Denny, which is I it, Denny? Which, again, puts me more firmly into that thin, intolerable, <laughs> miserable slice of the He population. is a French director. I'll give you that. Yeah, I'm very, I'm a very sad person. No, I only know that because he's my favorite director. And um, I do remember thinking how much I loved the first half of Annihilation, specifically. Um, yeah. The back half kind of fell apart. But I remember, I think his name is Alex Garland. Is that the director of Ex Machina? Yeah. Y- I, the, you're, you're correct. Yeah. Okay. That he came Oscar out, Isaac. I think he came out after Annihilation because he was expecting it to be a huge hit. And he was like, I'm not going to direct movies anymore. Um, that he was just really upset with the industry that he's made these great movies that have been critically acclaimed, but they're not blockbusters. Um, and I think he's been like fired from jobs. And anyway, I, I love him. I think he's a great director, uh, but he's kind of disenfranchised. Ex Machina is the best movie you haven't seen. And Dude, I don't mean right? you. I just mean like... Everyone in America should watch Ex Machina. Yeah, it's so it's oh so good. Gosh, yeah. Uh, so I'll I'll throw, yeah. So my answer to that question, if if I may be so bold, also an off a Nick Offerman, uh, mm. Hearts Beat Loud. Just texted you about it. This great little uplifting movie. Failing record store owner, you know, kind of starts a band with his daughter who's going off to college. Kiersey Clemens, she's great. Tony Collette, great. Little hour and a half jaunt, just about kind of this father-daughter relationship starting a band. There's a ton of funny music stuff in there that I can like affirm as true. Like, how do I get on Spotify? And like, <laughs> how do I record something? And like, what's our band name? And just like, I don't know. It just had like a ton of heart. Jeff Tweedy's in it for five seconds, and it's nice. kind of hilarious. And um, yeah, I just love Nick Offerman and, and Tony Collette and Kiersey Clemens. It's just a great cast and really simple movie. Um, I liked it. And then I'll throw one other thing, if I could. Just a documentary. Where, where can we oh, watch uh, that uh, one? It's free on Hulu as well. Hulu. Yeah. Hearts Beat We're, Loud is the name of it. This episode brought to you by... <laughs> by Hulu. Netflix, actually. We, <laughs> we, we messed up the... We messed up here. the recommendations. Bad, bad. Uh, one more thing. Uh, Momentum Generation. HBO documentary about 
the Kelly Slater, a surfer. Oh yeah. And like his group of friends who just like basically when professional uh, surfing kind of explodes as a sport in the United States, um, this like group of friends, um, kids, you know, and a lot of them, 15, 16 started like Australians had like, and I know nothing about surfing. So I was like, kind of just went in with an open mind. Um, Australians had like a, a gridlock on just winning world championships. That's just like where all the good waves are. Australia, you know, the Australian professional surfers were just like ripped. They're super built. They were just kind just of a- just destroying the sport. And then like all of a sudden it was like Kelly Slater and his friends came out of nowhere from America and started just winning year after year after year. And this like, it's this beautiful look of this group of friends who like surf together in Hawaii, um, who start winning these world championships and become professional surfers. And then like, as they get bigger, some of them like start getting pitted against each other by like sponsorship companies. And so like friendships start to deteriorate. Like there's a death that's like super brutal, but then like in the end of it, it's like they all, they all kind of like are able to kind of come back together and kind of read It was very much like Lords of Dogtown, like, but, mm. but a little bit more positive. And I don't know, man, it was just like this beautiful look of like, at like family and friendship. And of course, like surfing, which I know nothing about the sport of surfing. So it was just kind of fun to like learn about it. But for whatever reason, man, that like, I even like threw, threw up a picture of it on Instagram. I, I liked it so much. Uh, Momentum Generation is the title. That's awesome. I remember yeah. buying Kelly Slater Pro Surfer for Xbox, and I could never really figure out the buttons. They they had that like Tony Hawk Pro Skater, but yeah, or pro, I mean, did I say Pro Skater or Pro Surfer? I said you pro said surfer. Pro Surfer, but I was just thinking of Tony Hawk. Yeah, I bought the game. game. I think the playing the game was as hard as actually surfing. <laughs> but, I had but, no uh, idea that that was even a video game. I mean, it, it makes was sense a very short lived franchise in the <laughs> late nineties. Oh man. Um, that's a great wreck. Um, yeah, it's super uplift. Both of those are uplifting. Nice. That's what we need in these times. And I gave you devs, which will make you <laughs> very, very, it's a very bleak view on artificial intelligence. Um, we may do this again. We, this, this could be a one-off who knows. I think we're kind of just playing it by ear, right? Call. Yeah, I think so. Let, if you enjoyed this and you want more of this, let us know. Uh, otherwise be silent and we'll never hear. We'll never, you'll never hear from us again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah haven't told anyone we're doing this um so i'm really yeah. ex- i'm really excited i don't even know when we're gonna put the intro music in but i'm excited for when we're gonna do that and i'm excited for the outro music i'm yeah actually for this uh, one off i made no nah, well, i made a new trap beat um, oh, did- <laughs> it's it's a great lo-fi you can I, find it on the um spotify playlist pollen <laughs> I did, no joke, I got an email recently about new music released from Tall Boys. We did release a new track. Um, Should we, do we need to put a new track on the outro? We, we can look at it. I will say, dude, we were, <laughs> this is my final send off. Again, this is not the biggest casualty of COVID-19. We had <laughs> our big, quote unquote, big break gig <laughs> scheduled for March. <laughs> dude, we were opening for a band that I actually listened to. Um, Who was it? So they're called Slaughter Beach Dog. They're still kind of in the indie sphere. Okay. Um, but they're a real band. They play like real. They sound super mainstream. Okay. okay. <laughs> we're not Slaughter Beach Dog. <laughs> I uh, already we were love gonna, them. We we're going to get paid 500 bucks to open for them. 
And uh, of course, that show was canceled. And this is just like, this is almost famous in real life. Uh, this is classic. <laughs> Dude, you had like all those questions for backstage lined up. Dude, I had a card that said like Ryan, drummer for hire. I was like, will <laughs> will abandon Tall Boys if given opportunity. Just um, slip that in everyone's gear. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, hey, it was good yeah. catching up. It was great catching up, call, uh, and thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Uh, we will or will not see you again. Uh, we may, yeah, we love you guys and we miss you guys. Thanks for listening. Yeah. BTD. Okay. Stay safe. B- stay healthy. BFD. Yeah, BTD, BFTD. Bart to death yeah. is back <laughs> back from the dead. Or is it? So let us know if it is. <laughs> Catch you later. All right, peace. 9 p.m. with streetlights. It's never too late to readjust your seat. Sit back and think right. You never can trust oncoming headlights. You're my luchador in spandex, so call me if you need me.